for Rumors of War 1987. Greetings everybody out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. I'm back again with my uh, series Know the Enemy. And today we're going to be talking about the Greys. The Greys have many names. They call themselves many things. They enjoy many titles. But ultimately, the Greys are a very colloquial uh, term for synthetic robotoids, which are possessed of AI that's so advanced as to be indistinguishable from independent life, but they lack a spirit. They lack any kind of uh, higher density existence. They are strictly material. They are strictly in the 3D matrix. They are uh, originally created by the reptilian, the Orion Draco reptilians, and they have rebelled in a large part, but they still serve the uh, reptilians. In in some cases, they can still be created. But in most uh, instances, they are independent, and they are uh, usually encountered in this independent state or in service to either the reptilians, the Orion Draco, or uh, even a few have achieved some kind of spirituality and apotheosis and um, currently serve in a Astar High Command. And they also help Solar Warden. They help out the USA Secret Space Program um, as long as the UK's. They are considered guests in most cases. They are considered uh, having an alliance with us, but they cannot be trusted they are very dangerous they are very hostile at times they are rogue they follow their own agenda and they have their own designs um they are known to perform abductions and this is where they have been typically encountered the most out of any of the uh the the powers the factions inside the cosmic war they have been encountered more than any other typically they are the ones performing abductions in conjunction with the u.s military in u.s soil and to u.s citizens so that gives you perspective they they're around the world but they typically are associated with uh allowed abductions and they do perform rogue abductions they vary in scale some can be very diminutive some can be very short like dwarfish some are very tall taller than 10 15 feet is not uncommon to see a tall when you're referring to a tall gray it appears to that they grow throughout their life cycle so the older they are the taller and uh thinner they typically are they typically um typically they they are encountered in a smaller version than the taller ones. Taller ones seem to be a little bit rarer. They um, have similar behaviors and similar attitudes. They have similar intellect levels. Uh, You do get a variation across the spectrum, but typically every individual in the gray race is like every other individual in the gray race. And uh, even though they do vary in authority within their own society, ultimately... They are cloned robotoids, and thus they lack um, certain individuality or difference within their own species. There's little variation. They don't have external genitalia. They typically do not wear clothes. They typically do not wear jewelry. 
They typically do not have body modifications such as tattoos or plastic surgery. Uh, they typically do not uh, distinguish themselves with tribal or uh, cultural identifications. They typically are featureless uh, outside of their eyes. Their eyes are able to convey a lot of emotion, and their language is very mathematically complex. It's very um, intellectually sound It's uh, for, to be able to express themselves. But they are also lower density beings, material beings, so they, they typically enjoy lying, they enjoy being deceptive, they enjoy trickery, and they enjoy uh, creating illusions. Um, they like playing uh, practical jokes, as it were, just by telling someone wrong information and having them believe it for a lifetime, and so they cannot truly be trusted. Even though we do have alliances with them and have created relationships with them that are very close, uh, bordering on friendships, and they have given us a lot of technology, for the large part, they may not appear aggressive or hostile, but they might be serving various masters for various reasons, creating complex interwoven uh, espionages and uh, intrigues. They are very into uh, playing the field diplomatically, and um, there are some which are idealistically motivated that are zealots and for certain ideals and ideologies we'll get to that in a second but for the most part they are working with everyone so there are grays represented in every aspect of the uh, cosmic war in the secret space program you'll find them in deep underground military bases you'll find them in reptilian spire cities you'll find them on ashtar uh, light uh, command ships you'll find them um on moons uh, you'll find abandoned lots of them creating civilization societies waiting for the return to their order. You'll find them operating um, and, and conducting operations like medical experiments or things for, for years, for generations and generations each uh, being created or spawned to serve a specific purpose. Um, that, you know, they themselves are not really aware of. So, uh, they do have a reputation of being kind of, uh, despicable in that way, amoral, uh, unethical, but to them, it's all physical. There is no higher power. There is no force that, that unites the universe. There is no creator God. There is no heaven, no hell, no variation of realities. Um, they don't even really believe in string theory or alternate realities. It's too, that's too metaphysical of a concept for them. They are pretty much disconnected from the tree of life so that when they die, they are not reincarnated. That, that spark of individuality, that spark of, uh, existence is extinguished for good. Um, they know that and they're terrified of it. So they, they fear mortality above anything else. If there's anything that they do fear, it's mortality. And if there's anything that they hate, it's the reptilian, the Orion Draco reptilians. And these things might unite them as a species, uh, as an umbrella term, trying affecting the most out of the many. But when it comes down to it, they are either rebelling or just living out their own hedonistic uh, 
desires. And their medical experiments are for the acquisition of knowledge, but they also have sexual desires and uh, they are fascinated with human reproductivity. They are fascinated with every species' reproductivity. And they are trying to uh, either implement the higher density soul into themselves or they're just trying to uh, release the rage in a sexual form in these experiments because they do rape and they do uh, harness people's life energy and chi through physical abuse uh, they, they have been known to partake in louche, they have been known to get eggs and semen and implant themselves in uh, their own fetuses inside women uh, specifically to create hybrids um, there's a lot to it in fact the Ashtar High Command uh, specifically hates the, the grey race uh, on a whole because of their their ability to do this, their willingness to do this. But they left a very cryptic message during the 50s to our President Eisenhower. And this was during the Griotta Treaty. They left them a message describing that the Greys are not a positive species. They lack inner st uh, stability. They lack peace. They lack morality. They're lonely creatures, lost creatures, confused, uncertain, unable to accept uh, life as divine or beautiful. They're sad and struggling, and they lack spiritual development. The foul acts that they perform leave them in a state of regret. They have no escape. They are God's creation, but they are not created by God. They are imposters. No spirit is within them. They lack direction. They lack peace. And that's just a little bit. That's just a quote uh, from the Ashtar High Command's message to uh, the Earth uh, leadership during World War II. And, or during the 50s, sorry, right after World War II, because... The Greys were courting us, and the Greys had already been experimenting and taking us as abduction material for centuries. In fact, uh, we knew the reptilians by contacting via the Greys. The reptilians like to stay in the shadows, as it were, behind the scenes, uh, because their presence is uh, terrifying. Even when they work on Ashtar High Command ships and, and various faction uh, capabilities. But they, the Greys... Um, you know, basically, they also uh, work on the Astro High, uh, High Fleet in, in capacities of research and, like, a loan-type program. But um, they were offering technologies to the human race uh, in favor for uh, humans' uh, uh, abduction material, basically living people. They wanted to be able to take a certain quota every year just like the reptilian masters but i believe they were either working for the reptilians at this time uh that the faction that we made contact with or they were simply replicating the reptilian culture which they were created uh to serve because they originally were created to serve the reptilians through orion draco as uh clonable robotoids synthetic uh bio organ uh bio humanoids with reasoning capacities and with capabilities to do the hazardous work to do the slave work to do the cast work um during a time of great prosperity for the reptilians and the orion draco uh it was a 
and a growth of their AI and evolution of their AI that they the ones that were programmed to help complete wars and the ones that were helped to complete the the agriculture of ranching's intelligent beings from across the galaxy and harvesting them you know draining their blood taking their uh, chemo uh, hormonal res- uh, you know uh, receptors and ag- you know uh, the compounds and things to create the, the louche that they, cr- they desired and to create the synthetic drugs and to create the blood that these creatures developed a confidence and an amorality uh, some are kind and benevolent but most are driven by a sense of uh, rage against the Orion Draco and view them as uh, worth exterminating like the only good Orion Draco is a dead Orion Draco and they're one of the few races, few species in the cosmos that performs open genocide against another Uh, in their race they're justified because they just you just detest the Orion Draco for creating them and for uh, their their you know universal cruelty uh, but they also um, they have no other way of, of solving this issue of their own hate and their own rage against existing uh, even though they might understand emotions they might understand empathy as a, as a concept they themselves, do not possess it. They themselves uh, cannot emote and cannot uh, exist on a spiritual level. So they're very logical and they're very uh, formulaic and plant- and strategic about their actions, but on a material uh, realm and uh, you know of cost-benefit analysis and like pure materialism. So the only way that they can exist independently is to destroy the Orion Draco, and that's what they're doing. They're a big part of why the Orion Draco are losing their war. Um, the the ruling class of the Greys is quite possibly the most intelligent uh, ruling class of any species, and their war fleets and their weaponry is quite advanced. Um, typically denying the battle that the reptilians desire, which is this uh, guerrilla warfare raid, well, raiding type thing by basically demonstrating total annihilation um, bombardments and sweeps and um, their cloning is so advanced that they can create uh, literal replicas of certain individuals with the intelligence programmable to each so they, it's not like the reptilian breeding or genetic uh, cloning programs where they every time they breed that they're significantly weaker and less intelligent than the predecessor uh, the predecessor uh, generation. But each one is actually older, and even though that they're weaker physically or they're you know they're more fragile genetically, that the individual is able to at least retain the knowledge and retain the abilities of the last one of its original clone source. And human beings are trying to get this information, by the way. Human beings are allied with the Greys, specifically for the cloning technology. They do provide uh, space uh, travel technology. They do provide weaponry. They they do have teleportation. They they do uh, phase in and out of existence. They can walk through walls. They can, they're impossible to keep in lockdown because they have a habit of just rescuing each other or just uh, escaping by just by just teleporting outside the the awareness of the, the sensory capabilities of the, the forces trying to get them they do constantly play a cat and mouse game of uh 
just basically keeping away from intelligent species. And when they attack, their their beams, their plasma weaponry is so advanced that people at first thought they were being teleported away from the scene of battle um, or being abducted on board the vessel with the teleportation technology. But really, they were just being disintegrated. They just have weaponry that is capable of disintegrating nuclear uh nuclear bonds and people simply flash out of existence and that's the way that they prefer they prefer this uh directed energy type weaponry they don't have projectiles in the sense that we think of projectiles they don't have ballistics they don't use missiles or um, chemical weaponry they don't have a what they consider a primitive state of warfare because the benefits of having this uh near instantaneous ability to the to, you know, uh, extinguish life or just extinguish physical matter to them is a much superior uh, investment of their time, research, energy, industrial capabilities, production capabilities, and such, to develop strategies around using them. It's not uncommon for their ships to not travel through linear space, but to teleport from area to area uh, unleashing these these bolts of these disintegration rays and unleashing these death rays over uh, populations and urban centers of the Rep- Orion Draco or whatever faction they consider a rival and deserving of such wrath uh, and you know and vanishing away just as quickly uh, some assaults lasting only a matter of minutes some lasting a, you know a few seconds and dealing enough weapon uh, damage to uh, be considered, you know, a nuclear weapon, but without the possibility of uh, intercepting it or even predicting it. Um, they are on a genocidal mission currently against the Orion Draco, as previously mentioned, and their vessels are uh, constantly scouring territory looking for signs of them. Uh, the reason why the reptilian Draco are kind of reticent even though they're powerful to kind of show their presence because they don't know if that information could be sold or used uh, to entice the greys you know to strike a deal and in turn because the greys hunger for revenge that much that they that is something that they're willing to create truces with other races and other colonies and other communities to exact this revenge um they typically don't involve collateral damage. They typically don't involve, uh, you know, uh, they don't have crossfire with innocent civilizations. They don't try to destroy primitive civilizations if they don't have a reason to. They don't really uh, uh, preemptive strike anything or, or anyone, uh, but their, their power is very important to them. So they'll take titles like Grand Omnissiah or uh, the Eternal uh, Overseer or the supreme commander, or the, the the holiest admiral, and things like that, and they'll inspect and they'll enforce uh, other others during uh, times of diplomacy, during times of interaction, to refer to them as such because they few, they really just they one they don't get it and they don't understand that our fear is uh, very you know. Uh, very understandable considering that they have the ability to and the instincts to destroy civilizations you know raise them to the ground but they think it's kind of just like a a joke that uh we are intimidated by them that we are uh you know uh 
so impressionable and so and so unadvanced that they don't mind kind of rubbing it in our face. They'll make grand displays upon encountering races. They'll make grand displays of their advancement. In fact, Eisenhower was kind of shook down by a gray who, um, while serving as a kind of hostage in the traditional sense of the word, you know, so that we could create a treaty and exchange diplomacy, that it was, it was just, you know, making demands against the leader of the free world. Uh, Eisenhower, President Eisenhower by saying that they could, we couldn't stop them, that we, they were just so advanced that they would basically do whatever they wanted uh, anyway. And if he knew what was good for them, they would make the terms so that they weren't upset during the negotiations. Um, they do not view mankind as an authority at all, even though they might they may work in human-run facilities and human-run uh, bases, and they do not really respect the Ashtar, even though the Ashtar are possessed of spiritual authority and power and grace in the physical realm. They really only try to use the Ashtar to get knowledge of the spiritual realm, to get knowledge of a metaphysical power. Um, like I said, they they are a constant thorn in uh, the military side because some technology of theirs they view as off limits and restricted, very classified, very top secret. So that if we are in possession of it or we come into contact with it, they they will attack or they will just rescue that material and take it away from us, which we consider a stealing, which we consider a breach of trust. But they really just could not give a shit, and they they really have no emotions to to. Um, negotiate with or to try to um, coax into understanding. They travel with a thing called visible invisibility. Uh, this is basically creating that their colony ships and creating their bases where they can be seen, but just no one will ever notice. And they use, um, you know, Han purple, they use uh, cloud creating um, types of cloaking. Uh, they use cloaking um, as they've derived from the Orion Draco uh, heritage. They have that. But they'll also create uh, fake constellations in the sky. They'll live inside volcanoes. They'll live inside uh, deep on the ground in lakes, the, the, deep on the bottom of lakes. They'll live in the ocean. Um, they'll just have, like, huge armadas and fleets moving across the sky, moving across the moon. Um generally unfazed by being seen or completely un, un, uncaring if that they're witnessed or, you know, because to them, the, the idea that we're unaware as a species of the cosmic war, and even though the USA may be trying to keep that uh, covert, even in its treaties with them, like even though telling them that this is the, the case for our society, uh, they just don't care. They just think that's that's hilarious that that we're so ignorant and that we're so manipulative and uh, we have such um, amoral behavior within our own communities that they really don't mind making great shows like landing um, in certain areas, uh, communicating with members of our own world and our own species as they see fit. And uh, if they see qualities in people, they will come and make first contact. Uh, they have a combination uh, fleet. It's kind of a patchwork uh, fleet. It includes Ashtar ships, includes Orion Draco ships, it includes original creations. Um, they typically choose to live in orbit or in uh, in these giant uh, O'Neill cylinders. They live in these big O'Neill cylinders. Umamu, 
was a very famous recently spotted one that had traveled from out of the solar system and then returned to our to the our solar system um uh with with acquired you know knowledge and exploration and data and stuff it was kind of an arc ship but they can completely control theirs it's not a one-way mission like it, it would be for ours where we couldn't control such a massive vessel they can fly back and forth in them they can take them specific locations in fact don't feel sorry for them for living in these colony uh these cylinders because they're absolutely massive and they provide every physical necessity that they could possibly want in fact they're like little edens um they're they're sometimes as large as the planet earth they're sometimes larger uh typically they're they're smaller but they can house millions to upwards to billions of individual grays they are numerous even though they do not really get along with each other. They don't have an intimacy with each other. Even though they live in a very intimate, seclosed location, they prefer isolation and they prefer privacy. So these massive O'Neill cylinders operate just like any planet, operate just like any terraformed uh, colony or surface. Um, there's no anxiety. There's no real need for rebellion or a civil war inside of to control power or control resources. Everyone is basically, uh, every gray is basically unfazed by issues of anxiety. And like I said, they don't really have a spirit. So there's no, uh, there's nothing that they miss. It's, they don't really even get homesick. Uh, but, you know, they can leave the, the, the O'Neill cylinder whenever they wish. They can uh, take advantage of any opportunity within their society as they can imagine. All their needs are met. All their physical needs are met. Um, they're protected, well protected. Um, in fact, I don't think an O'Neill cylinder has ever successfully been captured or breached. Even though Ashtar High Command has uh, waged a war with them, has uh, waged offensives against them, um, the, I, the main problem is scale. Yes, Astro High Command has ships the size of planets. Yes, they have artificial moons. They have moon bases. That's all. But other than a complete annihilation of the ship itself, conquering one wouldn't be like boarding a vessel where knock out the power, board with uh, with members of your own species and forces, and then take over and secure the, the population inside, and you know kill the crew and take take control of the ship's commands. But um, it would be like conquering a planet. It would be like invading an individual planet. Each single O'Neill cylinder, even though it's an artificial construct that is piloted just like a ship, is more akin to a very thriving moon, a very thriving Earth. And you would need just as many forces to conquer the Earth as you would to conquer the largest of the O'Neill cylinders. Um, they are constantly traveling so even though they might have an allegiance towards one single identity it's very common that hundreds of millions of greys exist their entire lives without ever seeing other o'neill cylinders without other seeing other uh cities they may know about them they may understand which ones what they're called and where they are and they might share that information they might share uh communication uh when possible 
but each one is an individualized uh, city, an individualized cylinder with their own specific ecosystems, their own specific life forms uh, gathered from around the solar system, their own specific uh, weather, their own specific uh, landscapes, and uh, say, for example, rivers, oceans, lakes, mountains. Um, they each have their own architecture, and like I said, their culture doesn't wildly vary so much, which is showing you that they are ultimately the same. They are ultimately all originating from the same design, and because they're cloned robotoids, their civilization really exists in a static line, a stasis line of uh, achievement and develop and you know uh, ability and technological progress. Whereas ours is steadily increasing. Ours is on the upswing. Ours is uh, going from the Stone Age to the Monolithic Age, to the Brass Age, to the Golden Age, to the, you know, Silver Age, the Brass Age, the Iron Age, so forth. They are constantly going either from states of war and peace, but that's it. Um, on the ground level, greys have shown that they have battle suits. I, I said again, again, coupled with uh, direct energy weaponry, laser weaponry, plasma guns. Uh, typically, they don't use ballistics. They don't use uh, solid shot weaponry at all. Uh, the only thing that they have that would be comparable to a melee weapon or to a close combat weapon that they even uh, show an affinity for are these tentacles, which operate kind of like Dr. Octopus. It allows greater mobility. It allows uh, greater defense, 360-degree range of motion, uh, prehensile uh, holding abilities, things like that. But uh, even then, that's very rare uh, to see in combat. That's very rare to see in a war zone or these land-based greys. But in their own colonies, in their own O'Neill cylinders, this is how they uh, operate. This is usually their their army's identity, their army's uh, shock troopers, their army's frontline soldiers, their war fighters, their war operators, their special forces units, things like that. Uh, commando units, the 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 naval uh, personnel, the uh, Navy SEALs, uh, the the explosive ordnance, things like that for their race are greys, which are inside these bioorganic suits. The movie Independence Day was very accurate in that case because while you thought it might be one way, it really was another. And uh, just like human beings, they augment their strength and they augment their physical prowess and their survivability using exoskeletal suits, using uh, hazmat suits. And yes, they are quite frail physically, but these suits uh, that they wear... Uh, and puppet inside, pilot inside, uh, basically negate all the fragility, all the chromosomal disorder, and all the uh, the weakness that a typical gray has physically. So yes, physically they are quite strange, diminutive at times, but inside these suits, um, they are quite formidable, very sleek, very uh, disciplined, and very um, dangerous combat troops. We have engaged them in our colonies. But, strangely enough, many of them also work in our colonies. The situation over there being like, um, whether or not the, the presence of Orion Draco is specifically in the area, and the greys that we have encountered were in the service of the Orion Draco. There are greys that work for us in, in special operations uh, 
capacities that also wear those synthetic suits. There are grays that work for us in the Solar Warden and um, SSP programs uh, that wear those uh, warfighting suits, and they also pilot their own craft and help out our armadas and our fleets. There are uh, O'Neill cylinders that allow human beings on board, you know, so that we experience that way through cross-training and through um, the, the efforts inside those things to try to cohabitate as a species. Greys, uh, like I said, they, they need that kind of ability, they need that kind of hostile edge if they're going to survive against the Orion Draco. And um, currently, they, 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 they fight more against the Orion Draco than they fight for the Orion Draco. The Orion Draco is very suspicious of allowing their forces to, to grow or to the, for them to have enough uh, members to, say, create a functional naval fleet or create a functional uh, gr you know, ground-based uh, army. And um, really, the independent greys are are more focused on attaining their spiritual abilities, more more focused on their psychic abilities, more focused on the astral realm, and discovering that as as a quantifiable mathematical uh, entity, as a reality for them. They really think in terms of math and mathematics, so this is a greater feat in their collective consciousness than, say, destroying the Araya Draco, which they are slowly but surely doing. They are slowly and steadily destroying the Orion Draco, uh, wiping them from the cosmos, wiping them from the universe. And so, in their minds, their strategic thinking, they've already won the war. It's just a matter of time to keep up the stratagems that they're, that they're already employing. That they need to create immortality on the spectrum on a uh, on a spectrum that's greater than just physical supremacy they need to achieve the spirituality and the 40 densities that uh the orion draco have and uh their ships are i say very bright very colorful um typically meant for a dazzling display and um they are he said uh more akin to make things more efficient for themselves now I don't think that they're an ally. I think they are something to be considered an enemy. I agree with the Ashtar High Command in that they, their lack of spirituality and their lack of emotional uh, intelligence, their lack of emotional ability, will only create a war between us eventually. Right now, they are helping us develop these technologies, these hybrid technologies with them. They're helping us create a cloning uh, Solar Warden fleet and... Uh, you know, the, the virtual reality which goes to programming um, selected individuals in the MK Ultra type facilities. But they are sinister. They are, they're not cute little visitors. They are sinister potential mortal enemies. This has been Rumors of War 1987. God bless you. Thank you for taking this ride with me. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Be kind to everyone you meet. Love thy neighbor as they would love thyself. Incoming. Incoming.
everybody out there in dreamland this is rumors of war 1987 thank you all for your viewership from the bottom of my heart thank you all very much sincerely thank you everyone who leaves a like or a dislike and subscribes and shares and definitely um supports me with your attention Let's get on with it today. Uh, I will try to summarize and make a more brief video than I normally have been making. Which today we're going to be in a furthering another installment of Know the Enemy. This time about crypto terrestrials. Um, you know, I, I split the, the hairs when classifying the um, crypto terrestrials and ultra terrestrials that inhabit this world ultra terrestrials i define as interdimensional higher density beings are beings located on the astral plane crypto terrestrials i suggest i mean i define them as um, beings that have evolved on earth and that are of an equal or even lesser than evolutionary rung of the ladder or rung of the evolutionary ladder um and that they their technology does not surpass our own but may equal our own and i believe that that is a very important distinction as well because even the statement that there that another intelligent life form could share this world coexist with mankind and through the efforts of mankind and its own um you know intelligence remain uh unknown to the vast majority of the population of earth uh the population of humanity on earth um is remarkable and if they could develop technology uh even equal to our own that um they would have access to amazing technology, even uh, including high orbit, off-world travel, so that Earth may be home to several spacefaring races, um, or even many dozens. Uh, this kind of makes me think about the 36 species of intelligent life that uh, were recently announced to most likely, quote-unquote, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, exist, and that have made contact with humanity, not the United States government, but humanity in the deep time aspect of it, humanity as a species, 36 uh, intelligent life forms mathematically probable mathematically expected to have to expect it to exist um if they had evolved on earth if they had evolved alongside mankind and through lessons of warfare and lessons of um, our natural supremacy when it comes to uh harnessing uh our warfighting prowess and our technologies uh decided to you know it would be much more profitable in their survival interest to go uh underground to go into the shadows sewer and to uh invest everything into uh distancing uh and uh disguise so that these crypto terrestrials 
live on the fringes of our existence and are free to pursue their own interests and, uh, you know, you know, progress upon their own path to evolution and spiritual ascendancy, cohabitating on Earth without Earth's uh, attentions of, you know, its most, uh, even its most intelligent members of its species. Even though the knowledge may be evident, uh, there may be efforts to keep these incredibly um, sensitive subjects uh, relegated to uh, obscurity. But let's get on with it. Let's all dive into uh, crypto-terrestrials and um, the alternate species of the Earth, the, uh, the, the, the neighbors of humanity, if you were, because I'm not going to try to uh, label any kind of, uh, or try any fear-mongering agenda. This is just a purely, uh, you know, um, scholarly-approached meditation on the subject. So these crypto-terrestrials are most likely uh, oftentimes mistaken for aliens when they are encountered. And given that they are trying to remain secret so that their, um, you know, um, home territories are not invaded or their presence is not relegated to one of a crusade or persecution, even um, probably at the behest of their own diplomatic structure or leadership, uh, you know, and in relationship to humanity, has formed a type of uh, submissive or uh, uh, shadow uh, subservience to uh, the idea that its progress is probably better suited to a spiritual one rather than an open uh, one of uh, material dominion on um, our territory so that when they do exist, when they do occur, they are probably uh, confused with extraterrestrial uh, emissaries or species such as the Astra High Command the Palladians. My theory is that the Palladians, the Astra High Command, maybe are using the cover story of having evolved on Venus to disguise their ancient roots here on Earth in the first creation cycle, the first epoch, and that they may have much more invested in human development than even the Orion Draco, and that the species of humanity may have been effectively cut in two given two separate authorities, one being the Astra High Command, what are similarly humanoids and created our shape and created our species to mirror them, and the Orion Draco, which may have traded or desired or coveted uh, this human creation uh, in an attempt to further their own means and, you know, uh, this is an element in the SSP, the Secret Space Program, is the trade and uh, acquiring of human populations, human gene stocks. And in fact, people are treated relative like a domesticated element, uh, animal that has uh, sought its own liberation, that has sought its own freedom, that is progressing uh, exponentially quicker than was expected, and that mankind is uh, expanding much more uh, steadily and uh, dominantly than is preferred by 
these ancient rooted species. Um, the Ashtar High Command is the one I wanted to speak on. Let's, uh, I will speak about the reptilian component in a minute, but the Ashtar High Command may have interbreeded. They may have um, even lived cohabitated with humanity in its earliest epochs of creation. But now they seem to be uh, defined as our ancestral memories of the fey folk of the elvish uh you know the the fairy the uh i guess you call it the elder the uh you know the elven the 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 fey the the the, these lithe um very human-like but distinctly inhuman like you could raise they could be raised by humans and successfully become you know like survive and coexist with mankind and probably many were uh, but it probably wasn't like we were raising them because they were given to us maybe there was an exchange maybe they were orphaned uh, due to some catastrophe or maybe we were nannies and that our entire existence was one of like servitude and uh and slavery and we were raising the children we raised them with our um you know with our with our uh time and uh and care and that we were crucial to their life system that way we were crucial to their society in exactly that capacity and they're trying to return us to that very same capacity with our involvement in the Astro High Command. Uh, many of our folklore and mythologies and our legends are actually retellings and remembrances by uh, humanity at a tribal level, at a uh, um, dramatically literate level, to uh, recapture previous experiences with extraterrestrials or crypto-terrestrial species, including, say, the mantids, which were referred to as the Ant-Men and Hopi and uh, Navajo legends about uh, surviving cataclysms by being allowed shelter and being, um, you know, cared for and, and uh, defended by uh, insectalians. Uh, specifically the mantids and they called them the ant people and they were benevolent and they were our friends and they helped mankind uh, exist into the next stage of evolution the next epoch after the great uh, you know cosmic uh, Armageddon event but uh, this could be you know the same thing as um, uh, the military creating hybrids to uh, serve in their super soldier program. Like the Ashtar High Command uh, could have had bases on the Earth. And given their technology, you know, their vehicles were understood to be vehicles, but they were often called like the flying canoes, the uh, silver birds, the uh, winglet, the horseless chariots, the sailless ships. And, uh, you know, the Astra High Command themselves, the, the Palladians themselves are organic creatures, even with all the refinement and power and higher dimensional realities. They are still flesh and blood. They are still, um, you know, in the 3D reality, but a lot of their advancements allow them to operate almost entirely in the astral realm because their physical form is supported and taken care of by, you know, uh, 
machinery, technology, and uh, servants in their caste system, but they are still flesh and blood. They still have childhoods, for example. They still have uh, maturation processes, puberty, teenage years, young adulthoods. They still do need to learn and uh, experience life and to, uh, and to uh, you know, grow and to mature they have they have you know like everything else like how we were our life's basically modeled on their existence so they have that same thing but um you know to an extreme because they are not entirely human they're not human at all these these are uh probably the creators of humanity probably like i was thinking maybe that we were seeded by an extremely uh, extraterrestrial race during probably the visitation of uh, Nibiru or in the, these crypto terrestrials or maybe uh, descendants of other life forms that were experimented on by the Elohim or maybe some other mysterious race such as the uh, Saturnine but I think that really these uh, crypto terrestrials these uh, beings that exist on this earth you know, they pose as human, and, and we've assumed that they're human. We accept that they're human because we have been taught to. We have a lot of experience in it. But really, it's a sort of school. It's a sort of uh, academy for them, like a training ground for them. Uh, much as in the same way that Earth was like a hunting ground for the predator and that intellectual for, uh, property. Um, not being so dramatic, but maybe this Earth, uh, humanity itself is like a training ground or like a processing ground for a lot of other intelligent life and a lot of other intelligent species. Uh, for example, a lot of gray human abduction or a lot of cattle mutilation may be their version of training for medical uh, specialists, medical professionals, or scientists like... Uh, you know, preparing them, educating them, because they have a life cycle. They do, at some point, need to be educated because they don't know anything. They're young, and they have been created. Every single creature, no matter how strange, um, if it has intelligence, if it has a certain amount of intelligence, will have to spend a number of years gathering experience and just like human beings are expected to do professionally all intelligent life uh, is expected to do so and they may use humanity, they may use this simulation this matrix reality that we call society and, um, and uh, you know what we call everyday mainstream society and life to perfect their abilities to perfect the methodologies that they are required to use uh, later on in more high, uh, higher responsible or higher responsibility, uh, more uh, militaristic applications in their respective, uh, you know, societies, their respective uh, territories and home life and, uh, you know, environments. Like uh, whenever you see the, the the aforementioned reptilian or reptilian reptilian, maybe they have a uh, aquatic or uh, you know oceanic existence, and you're seeing them on the shores or on the coasts. These these kind of merfolk, because they're trying to gather intelligence on us, or they're trying to just uh, you know. Like skirt that edge, push that envelope 
uh, just like how human beings quest for knowledge and quest for experience and often encounter many strange phenomenon, maybe these uh, maybe these pursuits, these uh, great metaphysical ideologies of uh, you know good and evil and stuff like that are pursued through the adventure, through the hero's journey. Uh, just like they are in humanity in these other species because they this is an earthly thing maybe it's not a uh, just a human thing but it's an earthly thing and maybe just like knights go out to slay dragons dragons go out to slay knights uh dragons being the knights of the orion draco empires yeah the that species that evolved on mankind maybe there are many species that are um uh, more locked in the p- pursuit and dedication of uh, spiritual existences, you know, than mankind. And mankind has only, uh, you know, a fraction of their dedication to these kind of arts, because it does appear that mankind's uh, doesn't put a lot of value in uh, uh, real disclosure, real truth, real uh, spiritual ascendancy revolution. Uh, it just kind of likes to itch its itching ears, like it scratches itching ears uh, with specialists that give it the same picture that's been rehearsed and been repeated over and over and over again. While real, while real mysteries are abounding in this uh, world, but no one really seeks to answer the question. They just seem to entertain themselves with repeating the question. Uh, not really pursuing... Uh, anything more than what's now already become very cliche. Uh, So that when you do see things that could easily be um, rival species on Earth competing uh, with each other for dominance as intelligent life forms that have evolved on the same plane, on the same planet, in the same environments, cohabitating, coexisting, um, in the same countries even, in the same states, in the same neighborhoods, as it were, that uh, you instantly uh, associate it with aliens, you instantly associate it with extraterrestrials, or you instantly associate it with um, the, this uh, intangible um, existential mystery, this permanent existential mystery of uh, demons or uh, devils or like, yes I understand that the astral exists and I understand that the astral obeys many different laws and um, you know manifestations of its physicality it's a very chaotic uh, thing but what you're seeing is not a um, something that's the matrix reflecting its own uh you know, control is not an archons, its own um, agent smiths. It is creatures that ex- have existed in this matrix with us. They cohabitate this matrix with us. They are subject to this matrix with us. They may have created a lot more than we have, and they may be responsible for uh, systems and designs and conspiracies that we belong to or that we participate in. But that's a, that's a better way of thinking about it, is that it's a mutual participation. It's like an organized crime uh, syndicate, um, like a cartel of... Uh, cartel of secrecy that is benefiting equally from keeping the people very distracted and very uh, primitive in their approach to 
uh, everything, all aspects of their life. These social experiments were de designed uh, by the earliest uh, dominant species of the world to keep uh, humans domesticated, to keep us as a agricultural uh, stock. Because one of the way best ways to think about cryptoterrestrials and other intelligent life on Earth is to think about the food chain and think about ecosystems and think about the possibility that humanity is not the supreme ruler of the world. He may be supreme now, but much like primitive incarnations of humanity, primitive um, fore forerunner species, such as early primates, even into the higher primates in, uh, you know, uh, hominids, um, were not the most dominant uh, predators, and the world back then looked very hellish because it seemed that that other greater um, more dominant giant species uh, were ruling given the radically different climates and radically different uh, vibrational densities of the earth. In fact, if you look at the spiritual spectrum, which I said to uh, kind of shy away from designating these creatures as spiritual, you will have a equally uh, conscience presence because what you call demons, what you call um, these monstrous spiritual and uh, nightmarish creatures of the ether, the negative realms, are actually the consciousness and species of extinct species, the consciousness and souls of extinct species, of um, dead, what you would know as cryptoterrestrials, dead, uh, you know, what you would know as monsters, what you would know as uh, strange, uh, surreal uh, species from deep time, from the earliest stretches of known time, from the very formation of the earth and the universe itself. Um, just mankind is very foolish in thinking he is the peak of uh, this 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 uh, shining lead element, this pinnacle. It's one of many creations, one of many hybridized intelligent species, one of many um, species that were created by masters of genetics that have you know, are millions of years old compared to our, you know, several hundred thousands of years old and that have uh, already established large populations and resources and colonies off-world because this world is subject to cyclical apocalypses because it's a battleground fought over in a continuous war known as the Reptilian War now in the phase known as the Stargate Wars and the Rabbit Wars, which is humanity's um, awakening, humanity's ascension, and humanity's uh, war of independence um, is going to push the stalemate into the beginning of the end, into the repeat of the uh, cyclical apocalypse that the Earth is uh, fated, you know, celestially fated to continually undergo thus necessitating a great repeat of uh, humanity 
and the great repeat of the Earth experiment and the great uh, resetting of hybridized intelligent species by those off-world, such as the Astro High Command. And that's why whenever you see science fiction and things like that, uh, disclosure elements, it's always Wild West aesthetic or primitive aesthetic like uh, Cowboy Bebop or uh, The Mandalorian. These are soft disclosure elements uh, because uh, Outlaw Star, because even though there's off-world travel and there's vast um, colonies uh, across different planets and uh, heavenly bodies um, they, and off-world uh, solar systems and uh, not solar systems, space stations and uh, you know, fantastic amounts of intelligent life to be discovered ultimately it becomes uh, sick, uh, prone to the cyclical apocalypse, prone to having to reset, and prone to having to rebuild from square one. So that human beings are a root race, and that we may be mutated, we may be evolved due to the exposure of hybridizing elements, such as, like in Dune, it was known as like the spice melange, and exposure to this um, psychoactive substance would cause the genetic code of humanity to unlock and to become... Uh, rather uh, ancestral back to uh, its primitive uh, serpentine aquatic nature, you know, back into its earliest uh, oceanic uh, ancestor. Um, and the more use of, of the spice melange would create greater psycho, uh, psychic abilities, greater uh, telekinetic and psychoactive abilities, a psionics, and allow uh, the human being to achieve godlike abilities, but it would morph the physiology uh, with each increase in ability to match so that the human, the human would have devolved into an element that would be unrecognizable as human. I believe this is what we confuse as demons, what we confuse as extraterrestrials or as monsters. Uh, we confuse these creatures as monsters, these crypto-terrestrials, even though they are elements of humanity, most likely, having undergone mutation uh, while exploring the environment to become better suited to the environment, to become better suited to this world that we live in, that we share. We are perfectly suited to our environments most of the time. We could use an evolutionary um, growth spurt to better evolved to certain frontiers but at the same time we are instinctively terrified by body horror and body morphology and I think that's in their response to our rejection of other hybridized life forms um, in other scenarios because we are rejecting the supremacy of extraterrestrial or cryptoterrestrial authority. We are rejecting the authority these life forms, these intelligent species have exerted over our species in our evolutionary uh, destiny. And this is what the rabbit war is. The rabbit war of human independence is we are finally challenging these uh, false gods, this pantheon uh, while at the same time um, associating ourselves inside the pantheon, associating ourselves as manipulators of life and as deciders of species' fates. Because we still have not understood what they have not, what our enemies have not understood. And that is life can, an intelligent life can 
take any shape, can take any scale, can take any size. It's a gift of the spirits. It's a gift of the divine spark of the true cosmic intelligence is shared within all species on this earth. Even though it is unrecognizable in humanity or humanoids, like all humanoids share that same blindness to the divine intelligence, that spark that that uh, connects us all and connects us all with the Akashic records. And I think that's very ironic is that the more advanced a species is and the more dominant that intelligent species is, the less able they are to see and share in that experience of life. And humanity is becoming very advanced and we are becoming very driven by a need for independence and we are becoming very driven for a need to assert our dominance in this cosmic ocean and build that empire of sand doomed for another cyclical apocalypse. And that is my take on crypto-terrestrials. And that is my take on uh, their relationship to the SSP, the Secret Space Program, the Super Soldier Program. Is uh, They are artifacts. And I believe that there, are, there has been more experience, more contact made that has been forgotten and lost in the tombs of secrecy. And most of these species are now doomed to extinction and best relegated to the title of dinosaur. This has been Rumors of War 1987. Thank you for taking this ride with me. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you very much. Goodbye.